Unique yet common sense opinions on sports. This is Jeff Allen Sports Talk. On this week's show, we are happy to welcome back my baseball guys, Jay Cresswell and Joe Finger. Guys, welcome back. Glad we're here to talk about actual baseball. <laughs> I know. Last time we did this, I think it was up in the air or we, they had just gotten ready for spring. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking about uh, union negotiations and all that. That was stuff. it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, yeah. And thankfully, it did not ruin spring training. Uh, I know uh, Joe made a made a trip down south to see his twins and uh, Jay made his annual trek to the state of Florida. I got to catch up with him in Lakeland. Uh, yep. So it was good that we got to get some spring training action in. You know, the uh, and I'm sure, Joe, you noticed this, too. There weren't such big crowds at all. Um because, you know, people canceled their trips, probably. And at the last minute, nobody was going to book a spring training trip with the prices on flights and rental cars and everything. So it was Very pretty true. much just people who were already there. And I would say, Jeff, I mean, you were at that Saturday Lakeland game with me. Maybe half, maybe a little more than half. Maybe a little more. Like that yeah. All week. yeah. And that was a Saturday. So, yeah. Yeah. I saw six games. Um in six different parks, and every one of them was about like that, if not less mm. or fewer, excuse me. Yeah, I was at uh, Hammond Stadium in Fort Myers, which is the Twins' home stadium, but of course the Red Sox are just on the other yeah, side boy. of I-75, yeah. so there's always a lot of Red Sox fans there as well. So it was it was not as uh, full as we would normally see, but it was you know a good crowd because yeah. we got both of those teams close together. But to your point, yeah, it wasn't – wasn't quite what we've seen in you know, all the years, previous years that we've gone. I mean, a couple of the places I went, they didn't have ball boys or ball girls. And the right fielder and left fielder would have to chase down the errant foul balls. And, you know, the, uh, the some stands took cash only. Some took plastic only. You know, you had to get pretzels over here and get something else over there. I mean, it, it's almost as if they threw it together at the last minute. They didn't have a lot of time, right? I mean, it just <laughs> right. happened very quickly. Yeah. 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 No. We went. <laughs> yes. It, all that matters. Yes. Yep. The mission The mission was accomplished. And, of course, Jay, on that uh, Saturday game we went to, we got to see one Miguel Cabrera in the lineup for the for the yep. Tigers. And, of course, he uh, just recently got his 3,000 hit. And, you know, if I, it seems like yesterday he came up as a baby-faced kid with the Marlins in 1979. I know. Got the 70s. <laughs> I mean, oh, my goodness. Um, it yeah. seems like just yesterday that we were baby-faced kids. Well, that's true. <laughs> yeah. And what we happened? Were. What happened? And we were. <laughs> Notice yeah. I said were. Yes, but, uh, yes, yes, but of course, uh, uh, Cabrera getting that three thousand hit—that you know, certainly a, a great milestone. And you know, I'm wondering if that's going to be such a harder number to hit as time goes on. Not as hard as a pitcher getting three hundred wins. Yeah, <laughs> not no, no, or not a complete game. <laughs> not at all. Well, so. I'll tell you what, it, it it may be harder to get three thousand hits if the hitting continues into the future, like it has the first month of this season. I tell you yes. that. Yes, 
Yeah, yes. something, something tells me Joe has numbers to back that up. Oh, good Lord. I've been studying physics this week, <laughs> Jeff and Jay. Are you kidding me? Physics. <laughs> physics, I tell you. <laughs> yes, the physics are bat hit ball or bat miss ball, right? <laughs> it's a very exactly. simple concept. <laughs> yeah, no question. I've been shamed before on our calls by not being as prepared as Joe. So I have all oh, my stats and standings up in the background this time. <laughs> Who shamed you for that? I do. <laughs> Self-shaming. There you go. Exactly. I'm an expert at it. <laughs> yes. So uh, I, I wonder if, uh, wondered if each of you managed to catch, you know, uh, the, it was the first uh, Sunday airing on Peacock, which NBC ran uh, this past uh, Sunday. First time MLB has been on NBC in 22 years. Uh, did you get a chance to tune into that uh, game at all? I will say no, um, but. Uh, I will say the same they, thing. Oh, okay. Strike two. I knew they were coming. Uh, and I had a, a friend uh, text me Sunday afternoon. And it said, the White Sox were on NBC today? Since when do they have baseball? Right. And we went back and forth, me telling him he was wrong. Um, but I did say it's Peacock streaming every Sunday morning, basically. And I think I snowed him and he gave up arguing with me, even though he was right. <laughs> yeah, so the, the, and it was interesting. And I happened to stumble upon it by accident. I was just I flipped on the TV and just started looking at the channel. Like, Oh, yeah, that's right. And I, and I remembered they said they were going to run the first Peacock game on NBC and uh, Jason Benetti and uh, uh, Steve Stone. And there was a third guy in the booth. I couldn't remember who who was there. I believe he would was a guy who would cover the Red Sox because I yes. guess their stance is a Benetti will do play by play and each analyst will be Get one, yeah. uh, from, from the other team. So uh, but it was pretty interesting uh, to see. And. In fact, the music I played you guys into for for this, they actually uh, on one of the bumpers uh, going out of an inning uh, ran the NBC baseball music from the 1980s. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I, I, I that like was, that. Yeah, I didn't stay for the whole game, so I don't know if they ever used it again. But that, but I heard that music and boom. <laughs> now, do, is that was that an NBC production or was that did they grab like the local feed and then just do the play by play? It was an NBC production. Oh, good. Well, yeah. how was the production? The production was good. It was it, it came off really nice. Um, you know, they interviewed uh, one of the Red Sox players. In fact, uh, the the umpire uh, took a ball in in the mask, and uh, and he saw Tweety Bird and had to come out of the game. <laughs> so, uh, so the guy they had mic'd up, and I can't remember who it was right off the top of my head, played for the Red Sox. All everybody else was the dugout. He stayed out in center field and chit chatted with the guys for you know several minutes. So That's it was great. it was it was it was pretty cool. I have to look up and and and, and see which player it was. Uh, That's very nostalgic. You know, you, you mentioned the theme song, Jeff. I almost emailed you this week. You know, we do a theme at the end of the show. It's usually a TV theme. And I almost emailed you this week to say, hey, does that include sports themes? I mean, it's television, it's sports, but I don't know. Maybe maybe at some point we pick up, you know, like a favorite classic sports theme no, uh, maybe, maybe no, from nbc in the years gone by who knows no, no i'm good with that i you know uh, back when the pandemic started uh i just did a whole series of you know television sports themes ah, uh, great idea. So, so i did so i did two or three shows on that uh so i've, I've played a bunch so i have i probably have them 
handily available. You probably uh, do. Yeah. Uh, uh, did you have the original Monday Night Football theme? I did. Oh, I just got chills. <laughs> yeah, exactly, Jay. And you know, yeah. these things, you have that kind of visceral reaction when you yes. hear these things so and many years later. Yes. PBS Sports Spectacular was Fire on High by ELO. Okay. They put that on to compete with Wide World of Sports on Saturdays. Wow. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I, uh, uh, I, 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 what was it? I, I, when I was picking those out, I was like, you know, uh, the, the NBA on CBS theme in the eighties, uh, yep, that was back it. in the Lakers Celtics, you know, you, you picture, you know, Dick Stockton and Tommy Heinsohn immediately, uh, covering those games. Uh, yes. Um, you know, and obviously the NBA, um, used the, the John Tesh version that NBC and now yep. Fox sports uses for college hoops. Yep. So yeah, those 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 are fun things. But yeah, when I heard the NBC sports baseball music, it's like boy, it's like, and and that was probably during the uh, that was that was during the Vin Scully Joe Gargiola yep. era. Fantastic. Yes. Yeah, yeah we Just grew up fantastic. with baseball and NBC were synonymous. I remember when I first yep. started watching every it was Saturday NBC. Yeah, every Saturday afternoon. That's yep. for sure. So uh, yeah, so great stuff there. So uh, have. Have either of you caught any of the action on Apple TV Plus? I have not. Uh, I have. We have Apple TV here at the house, and I almost did. But, I, I, you know, the wife was with me, and I think we wanted to watch Ted Lasso, and then we weren't going to watch baseball or something. We were doing everything on demand. So some other time, perhaps. The, yeah. Uh, the very fact that Heidi Watney is on Apple TV Plus will get me to subscribe. Because <laughs> I miss her on Quick Pitch after nine years of watching. Wow. Yes, yeah. yes, no question. And then, you know, I guess a, a lot of the fanfare I've heard, I've not caught a game yet, but I guess Katie Nolan uh, of ESPN, yep. Fox yep. Sports, uh, uh, you know, they kind of brought her on to be, you know, a different voice, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, the reviews are not good. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's like, I think people tuning into baseball, you know, it's, it's good to have some entertainment woven in that. I don't know that people want it in large doses. I get it. I yeah. get it for sure. Yeah. So, uh, so there you go. So that's some good stuff there. So uh, update me on your teams, how you think things are going uh, so far. I think Joe should start since his team is going well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was thinking of you, Jay, not a few weeks ago when there was a certain team that lost 23 to 1 or something like that. I almost I almost sent you condolences that day. But yes, thank I, you. I better I better leave well enough alone. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, the Twins are one of the surprise teams in baseball. Uh, I think when last we spoke, the, the lockout was just ending. And right after that, the Twins just went crazy Yep. making moves. So you're probably one of the least likely teams to do that. They got Correa on that big move uh, with Houston. Uh, Donaldson has shipped off to New York. They've got Gary Sanchez and Marcella, their third baseman. They got uh, several uh, starting pitchers. And so when the season started, I, I looked at it and said, hey, you know, they might be, you know, pretty decent. They certainly have been aggressive and trying to put a better team on the field. And to this point, they, they've played really well. The pitching has been light years better than it was last year. Yes. 
Um, like a lot of teams there, I don't think they're hitting the ball all that well, but the pitching for the twins has really what's carried them surprisingly uh, to this point. They've got some good young pitchers. They've added some veterans. It's a nice mix. The White Sox got off to a slow start that helped. And as we sit here uh, today, you know, the twins are still in first in the uh, central in the AL. I'm not sure if they can hold that, but I think they're going to be in the race. I would hope at least as a wild card possibility, barring, uh, you know, barring injuries. I think they have a legitimately a pretty, pretty solid team that they can put out there. I think um, the fact that they're, they're off to a good start means that it's not going to go in the tank. Like you said, they may not be able to maintain it, but if you're off to a bad start, it's nearly impossible to make up for that. And I think the fact that they got off to a good start bodes very well for them in the wild card race, at least. You know what? Uh, last year this time, they were losing every one-run game they were involved in. And when they, when they went to an extra inning game, it was like, okay, they're going to lose this game. And it was like the first seven or eight extra inning games they lost. This year, they've won the last seven one-run games they've been yep. involved with. So you know, that, that little tipping point's not very much, but it makes a huge difference when you've got a – a bullpen or some pitchers that can take you deep into a game and put you in a position to win. And I think that's, that's been mainly the difference so far for the twins. And you have extra playoff spots available. Yeah, that helps. Yeah. I'm going to take that. Yeah, for sure. All right, Jay. <laughs> this isn't easy. Um, <laughs> uh, the pirates are awful. Uh, only slightly better than last year, which is about where everyone expected them to be. Uh, you know, they, they just lost two out of three to the Reds who had gone one and 20 in a 21 game stretch. And then they came home and beat the Dodgers two out of three. <laughs> Explain that to me. Yeah. First the one they lost was 11 to one. Okay. But, and all of it has to do with pitching. Um, the pirates have other than Quintana, who was the one free agent they signed. Um, they have no starting pitching. And they're, you know, sending guys out there that nobody's ever heard of and asking them to go three or four innings and then bringing in a mid or lever. You know, it's that it's that new way of doing things. OK, it's not necessarily an opener, although they've done that a couple of times, um, but they're just not getting it done. And, you know, last night was Bryce Wilson's turn and he has shown some glimpses of being almost a starter. And he gave up six runs in two innings. And that, and that was the end of it. Um, mm. They can't field. And that's mostly due to the fact that the triple A team out there in the field. And I know they're waiting for the guys to come and the guys are coming, but they're at a or double a right now, all the guys and maybe one or two at triple a. And I, I just think what they need to do is at least sign a body or two and put them in right field or put them on the mound and at least give them a fighting chance for now. The guys will be gone later. They may be traded, but Quintana is going to be traded at the trade deadline. He's one and one with a two something ERA. He's pitching fine, you know, but they, they just need to find some major leaguers instead of, you know, the Jake Marisniks and the Jack Sawinskis and the, you know, Yoshi Sutsugos. And uh, there just isn't enough there. Keep Brian Hayes is fine. He's hitting 330. Um, Brian Reynolds is in a bit of a slump now, but he'll come out of that. Um, you know, my, the, the catcher, Roberto Perez, Gold Glover, played for the Marlins. He ripped his hamstring, so he's out for a while. And, you know, I said they, they look like, you know, a triple-A team, a minor league team. Here's part of that. 
So their backup catcher is arguing with the umpire from the dugout. So the umpire throws out the backup catcher, who's lucky to even be in the major leagues. And then the starting catcher pulls his hamstring. So the utility second baseman who is not caught since he was 14 has to go in and catch in the eighth inning of a tie game. The pitcher is afraid to throw the ball all over the place because this guy hasn't caught in 20 years, you know, whatever. And so he walks the bases loaded and they end up getting five runs off him. And he couldn't frame. The one guy was struck out twice, but he, he didn't frame very well. So they got called balls and, you know, they were yelling at the umpire anyhow. That's stuff that a bad minor league team does. And what I've come around to thinking, I, I believe in the plan. These guys are moving along in the minors. I mean, Henry Davis, who was the number one pick last year, is at double A already at a home run in his first at bat. I think they have the wrong coaches at the major league level. And that may include the manager, Derek Schell. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it would seem like, oh, here we go again if you fire everybody. But I'm not so sure they're the right guys. I, I, you know, I believe in the, the system, the way the farm system works and their strategy about being player centric and all that. But I'm telling you, I think when they get to the majors, the wrong guys are telling them what to do. Mm-hmm. And mine, they're in third place. I mean, they're ahead of the Cubs. You know, I, I was going to say that they're middle of the pack. I mean, yeah. the Cubs and Reds have been awful. So. Of course, last year at this time, they were at 500 and they lost 102 games. So you never know. Yeah, yeah. You, you never know. Uh, so before I get to the Braves, you know, you kind of brought up an interesting aspect of, you know, uh, position players, you know, uh, I find it always interesting when they pitch. So did you see um, uh, when Travis Darno was at, at bat in the, the the Washington position player whose name escapes me at the moment, uh, you know, he, he's, he lofts up a, you know, a floater and, and it hits, hits him in the shoulder. Darno flops to the ground like yeah, he's been shot. <laughs> flopped like he was playing soccer. <laughs> no, I missed that. That was that hilarious. Was that was hysterical. Yeah. That was you, hilarious. YouTube that one. It's uh, that's uh, that was, that was, that was comedy gold. That may and have it, been a 58 mile an hour pitch, you know? Yeah. And, yeah at best. <laughs> Well, uh, position players in the uh, the Rays Angels game. Of course, the, the you know the Angels no hit the Rays. It was a blowout. I think eight nothing or something. And so they brought in a position player. I, I didn't rec- I don't remember who it was. I saw a clip, and he was just tossing pitches up there like it was batting practice. There was no yep. pretense of even pitching. And some guy came up. Who was it? Uh, Rendon or somebody? Mm-hmm. Came Anthony up Rendon. Right? For the first time, he hit left-handed. <laughs> That's right. And knocked it out of the park. <laughs> what, a, what a farce. <laughs> this, this is what's happened to our game. Most going of on? the first-place teams are in New York and L.A., and, and the Reds and Pirates and A's have six people at their games. <laughs> yeah. So well, thank, thank God for the Twins. Thank God for the Twins. Middle America baseball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes. Well, I'll give you my uh, my my rundown on the Braves, you know, uh, and I can pretty much tell you that it's that it's over and they're guaranteed to win it all again this year, because at this point last year, they are 14 and 16. Wow. And they were also 14 and 16 this year. Wow. So and the Mets can't maintain. I'll tell you that. That, uh, you know, I knew they were going to be better with show show Walter. I think th- that was going to be a definite. Absolutely. Uh, but 
will they be able to maintain this will at least be the challenge for the Braves this year nobody ran away with it while they were floundering last year so I thought the Phillies would be better too this year but I'm sure the Braves will come around yeah I I, I'm sure of it you know they they've got Ronald Acuna Jr. back uh who fell down hitting his first home run uh which was classic and then uh but uh you know I think that that's a boost and their pitching will get better as the season goes on, although they, uh, you know, poor Kyle Wright, who's having a great season, got shelled by the Red Sox last night. Yes. And it's rare to see the Red, Red Sox shell anybody these days. <laughs> yeah, they they have not played that well. That is the truth. Yeah. You know, the Red Sox season is going to be over before it starts if they don't watch out, because in that American League East, you, you get off to a start like they have. Forget I, it. Wow. Yeah, I mean, there you know, there's four teams in that division, and that's counting the Red Sox, and they're in last place. Yeah, <laughs> even Baltimore is running ahead of them. Yep. Yeah, and of course, in fact, the Braves Red Sox uh, that was on TBS last night. So it's one of those rare treats when the Braves are back on TV TBS. <laughs> the good old days. <laughs> the good old days for sure. So uh, uh, that is interesting because they've moved their package from Sunday afternoons to Tuesday nights. Yep. I, and I think they get exclusivity on that too. You are correct. Hey, did um, either of you see, see the feature? And I think it was, I don't know if it was on TV or it was on The Athletic about uh, the Carey twins. Oh, it's, Chip's kids. Chip's kids are doing play-by-play in Amarillo, Texas. And wow. one is the straight guy and one is funny. And they're obviously very green, but they're really, really entertaining because they're real. Yeah. And I'd they, love to hear that. Yeah. yeah. And one of them said, look, I know we were born on third base, but... <laughs> now, at yes, this point, we need to earn it. Yeah, yeah no, got to catch teeth in the minor leagues. You know, yep. why do these guys have to have to take that route up? Um, uh, and that's interesting. You know, if 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 the guy who, who who's the humorist, you got to hope that he inherited Skip's sense yes. of humor. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, I. Uh, uh, you know that that also brings me an intriguing thought too, because you look at that the the fact you know even though they're from a lineage, you know they're working their way up through the minor leagues, and and you have all these broadcasters who do minor league baseball, and with the hopes of getting to the to the big leagues, the Braves radio guy Ben Ingram was one of those guys. He came up through the Brave system yep. doing, doing minor league baseball, but then and then but then you look at you know you these guys have to be disappointed when. People like Katie Nolan are hired to do broadcasts, you know, know. who have nothing to do with baseball. I know. Yeah. I'm not going to say what I'm thinking, but. uh, (laughs) We know what you were thinking, Jay. (laughs) The same thing is happening in hockey. Um, Last night on one of the Edmonton LA game, uh, someone who usually does color for one of the other teams was doing play by play. And she was way behind the action. And I first thought was she's not at the rink, but she was. And uh, then I flipped over to NHL Network and they showed highlights, but their highlights were coming from uh, Canada, from uh, Sports Network. So it was different play by play and it was like night and day. Hmm. And I will stop at that. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, there, there's, there are cases to be made. 
that's not a sexist comment. That is a talent comment. Yes. Yes. Uh, I with you 100 percent myself. That. Yeah. No, yeah. No, I, I, I agree. I don't think I don't think most men have an issue with with a female not doing sports as long as she's doing a great job incredible and and, yeah. and all that good stuff i think that's there's a lot to be said for that yeah i mean, I mean uh linda Cohn would be a great example somebody who knows hockey back back and forth by, by and large more than than a lot of men yeah i think she and uh, butchagross would be just an amazing team yeah, that boy, that would be good. I'd pay. I'd I'd, I'd pay for that broadcast. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> and you may have to. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you might have to. I think it was Alex Verdugo who was on the uh, the the mic for the Red Sox uh, during that game on Sunday. And I yeah. also forgot one other point too. And I think you can find this on YouTube as well. Um, they did a they did a beautiful open that was narrated by Vin Scully. Oh, so I'm gonna look that up. Yeah, you gotta look that up. Baseball's poet laureate. Yes, isn't that the truth? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So very yeah. eloquent, I'm sure. Yes, and a great part of NBC's past, uh, as far as that goes. So, anything else stand out to you guys from the from the first month? Uh, that. Uh, How about uh, Justin Verlander coming back? I know. Just being lights, almost no hit the Twins this week, um, but. Yeah, at what, age 37, he's just been absolutely lights out and uh, has just shown what being a true ace really is. Yes, but his elbow is one. <laughs> yes. He's 37, his elbow is one. Is, how, is that, how is that possible? Yes. But you know what's funny is he still has to have the stamina and the rest of the body to go with that and put it all together and pitch smart. And, you know, that's a true pro. Yeah. How dedicated was he, or how much did Kate Upton want him to get out of the house because I he think was bothering was her? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I recall a few years ago going to a spring training game in Lakeland, and he was pitching for the Tigers, and all I could do was keep looking around for Kate Upton, but she's nowhere to be found. <laughs> Darn it. I hate oh, it when uh, that happens. <laughs> oh, yeah. So. Yeah, it's it's been a, it's it's been interesting. You know, I I I I'm glad that the part of me likes the seven inning doubleheaders. Yeah, just from the, the timing standpoint, but I'm not I'm not going to cry that they're back to nine innings. Um, the runner on second, I guess people still are kind of wringing their hands on that. I can't stand it. I'm sorry, and I don't know that that has to do with me being a traditionalist. And we've discussed this before. The first thing I, the first thought I had was, so if he scores, this guy is going to get the loss when he had nothing to do with that guy in second base. It turns out it's not an earned run to that. That's pitch. right. It's, it's not an earned run. That's right. But someone gets the loss. Yeah. Yeah. What would you think about if they at least held off to like the 12th inning before they did that? Would that be a fair compromise? Or would you better than what it is now? I suppose. I agree. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, at, at least with that. At least from that aspect, because you're at least giving a traditional, you know, with three innings, you're giving a, another chance for the the lineup to run all the way through again. Yeah, exactly. You got to get through the lineup one more time. I agree. And if we go to the seventeenth, still tied, we're just going to flip a coin. How's that? Let's just. I go believe on. that. 
<laughs> or 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 call in Rick Camp to save the day. Rick Camp. <laughs> <laughs> I can still hear uh, John Sterling's voice from that wacky game. Yeah. Yes. Although that call annoys me, just because he didn't let the moment breathe. You're right. You know, he's you know John Sterling's all about making it about himself. Yeah, of course he is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's in. Then he went to New York after that, right, or something? Yes. Yes. Yeah. You know, he's been. He's doing Yankees. He's been doing that for a long, long time. Yep. Uh, With I think. Susan Waldman. Yes, and uh, I saw I saw an article in the in the Post recently that because uh, I guess Phil Mushnick can't stand him. Uh, which he doesn't like a lot of people to begin with, but uh, I guess he laid it on real thick about how how big a bore Sterling is and how he should no longer be doing the broadcast because there's evidently a lot of missed calls and you can't do that on the radio. <laughs> right, right. You know, I can watch you screw up, but I see what hap- actually happened on the radio. Of course, you can lie about it and, say, you know, yeah. Who's going to know? They can't see. We can't see it. <laughs> like in the old days where, you know, they would recreate it off the teletype and the guy would, right. hit a, you know, hit yes. a, yeah. you know, sometimes the teletype would go out and the guy would talk about, oh, we're having a rain delay and it wasn't really happening. But you can pull that out. It's theater of the mind. Yeah. But I heard I've heard his calls have been like, you know, it is high. It is far. It is gone. Well, wait, what? He caught it on the warning track. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, ooh, that hurts. Shoot me. Wow, now that's embarrassing. Yeah, yes. that, and yeah. it's regular. Yeah, ooh. that's yeah. Uh, Jay, you've been at any uh, Rangers games? Uh, one thus far. Um, Love the park. The roof was closed though. Um, I don't because it was supposed to rain. I guess um, June second, our entire staff is going. And uh, we, you know, we get one of the picnic areas and parking passes and they feed us and drink us. uh, And that's a good get together. And then I take my personal staff on August 7th. So I've got at least two more planned. And I mean, I, you know what, we carry the games. I can get tickets. Okay. Um, I'm still into hockey season right now. Uh, And even, even the NBA at that. So, uh, you know, once all that slows down, I'll be, I'll be a regular at uh, Globe Life Park Field, sorry. Yeah. So, uh, Joe, do you have any uh, summer trips planned that might have baseball as part of the equation? Uh, Not at this point. We typically wait until the NFL releases its schedule to see if the Twins and Vikings are both in town, usually around the first or second week of September. And if there are really interesting matchups there, we consider a trip for, for that, for that reason. But we typically don't go over to, um, my wife can't stand Tropicana field. She can't stand the Rays. She will not go. <laughs> I can't get her to go there. Doesn't matter who's playing Red Sox twins wouldn't matter. So, um, uh, so at this point, nothing, but you know, that could, that could change. I'm yeah, going I- to Minneapolis in July for a wedding and unfortunately, the twins are not in town. Oh, uh, bummer. Or bummer. I would have stayed. But I, all, I, do, I already booked a trip to Chicago for early September. And I'm going to see two Cubs games. And that Saturday, we're going to drive up to Milwaukee because I have not been to Miller Park yet. So I'll see three games that first weekend or second weekend in September. Can't wait. That's, that's something to look forward to for sure. Yeah. 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 Wow. 
And Milwaukee's got a good team to watch too. Yes, they do. How about you, Jeff? Well, I yeah. am look. I'm looking at a midsummer. I've, I I have not been to the Braves' new stadium, and I've been itching oh. to go. So I'm thinking this might be the year I pull the trigger on that and do a weekend up there. Uh, that's a great. The proximity is fantastic from that aspect. Uh, so yep. that's kind of what I'm, that's kind of what I'm looking at for for this year. What's that entertainment area around the park there? The, the they call it the Battery. That's it. Yeah. Um, they copied that here not as big or nice and it's called texas live because as you know anything in the state must have the word texas in it um <laughs> and for the first time there is something to do in arlington texas that's not just go to the game you know the cowboys or rangers game and there's about 14 bars and six or seven restaurants and pudge rodriguez owns a place and troy aikman has a place and it's right next to the new park and it is spectacular and on opening day uh, we took our radio stations out there and we set up in Texas live with our banners and screens and handed out stuff, thousands of people. It was great exposure. So, but they, they explicitly copied it from what it was done in Atlanta. Have you had Troy Aikman's eight beer yet? I have not. Uh, I, I, you know what? I keep forgetting to ask for it. Uh, you know, I, I don't drink all that much anyhow. Uh, and in fact, when I told last time we talked about my lunch with Ferguson Jenkins and Brad Sham, when we were at the restaurant, the uh, lady came by and says, what do you want to drink? And Brad Sham says, do you have eight? And she said, eight what? <laughs> I, that's what I would have said. <laughs> yes. And he said, Troy Aikman's new beer. And she says, no, we don't have that yet. He goes, OK, I'll have water. <laughs> nice. But I will certainly try it. Yeah, I, yeah, I want a scouting report on that. Absolutely. Yeah, because it certainly won't be available here. Uh, yeah, in these parts. Um, yeah, interesting. Uh, the one thing I wanted to do, but I didn't get to it quick enough. You know, Dale Murphy is doing a series of uh, where six or seven times throughout the course of the season, he's hosting a group of people who pay to uh, eat eat with him at his restaurant and sit with him in a box at the game. And I got, I would have loved to have done that. That's um, amazing. And is don't you know, great idea. When, yeah. whenever you say his name, you're required to say should be in the hall of fame. Yes, and sir. Continue with what you're saying. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Right. Um, Cause yeah, I was hoping uh, back when uh, UCF uh, played in the, in the peach bowl, uh, the UCF alumni had a watch party for basketball the day before the game at Murph's restaurant. And I, my flight arrived too late for me to be able to go, but that would have been an awesome experience to, uh, to go that oh, way. Yeah. I've heard the place is fantastic. So, uh, oh, I'm sure it is. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the, the, the battery and all the surroundings, uh, uh, certainly something that, that I'm looking forward to, uh, to, it'll be different not going to a Braves game downtown. Uh, True. that's a, that's a different experience. So, uh, uh, Joe, what do they do around, uh, Target Field, do they have anything? I'm there the one time, and, you know, there are some restaurants. I remember Herbie's Place, Kent Urbeck. Uh, that was oh, a popular yeah. spot. Um, but I don't remember too much in terms of the specifics, but it, it's, a, it's a beautiful park. Mm-hmm. And uh, Minneapolis, is, our experience there was that it was a beautiful city, too. We really enjoyed it. Very walkable and uh, just clean. Yes, yeah, green and clean green and clean absolutely and and you know just 
20 minute walk the other way is U.S. Bank Stadium and the Vikings. And that's another incredible uh, venue. That place looks uh, fabulous. Yeah. Yeah. They did yes. that right. Wow. Yeah. We hopefully be back there uh, one of these days, you know, if the schedule and the stars align, as they say. I've so, also uh, got a trip to Pittsburgh planned this summer. Don't, don't know when, but just to go to PNC Park. Yeah, the to me that's that's the that's the that's the best ballpark I've been to. It's beautiful. Yeah, it is. It is an awesome place. So I wonder if, if in Ken Herbeck's restaurant does he come and push you off a of first base? <laughs> <laughs> that would be great, Jeff. You you got to get into marketing or something. Yeah. Oh, that's great. <laughs> well, it was, right, it was inadvertent. I mean, he's a big guy. He's just just a big guy. A friendly guy. So at Harvey <laughs> Killebrew's restaurant, do you tear your groin in an all-star game? That's no, what I'm doing. No, you, yeah, you pull a hamstring on a stretch. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and Joe and Joe Mauer, and I see now Joe Mauer is just friendly conversation, and and then we sing Kumbaya and That's go, and go home early. That's <laughs> that that is that is fantastic. Well. Uh, well, I'm just glad that we finally got to talk about real baseball in action. Yeah, uh, you know, because yeah. because it was not looking good. It looked like spring training was going to be a goner altogether. Um, but indeed, uh, but at least uh, but at least we have a season. We'll get all 162 in. Um, so yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see. I I, I am I'm very curious as to you know with the potential you know ability for uh baseball to change the rules you know i just hope they don't get carried away with that and i really hope that they they really seriously do not take away the shift as much as i hate the shift i hate I seeing I, I hate seeing my team in the shift it drives me nuts but tinkering with an aspect of of, of decision making to me well, is, is a brutal crime agree i mean what's next no curveballs. <laughs> They're hard to hit. Are we going to go back to the 1800s where you threw it underhand to the guy? You know, hit the darn ball where they aren't. Yeah. If you're a major leaguer, you can't hit. You, you take a half a swing and you'll get a double. Yeah. And you right. keep doing it until they move back over there. It's so true. Oh, well, so they, did, they did change the baseball this year, as you guys yes. probably know. And yes. Uh, that that was my physics research for the week, and uh, you know they they went in and here's what I learned, guys. I'll try not to do um, hyperbolize too much, but you know they basically went in and loosened the tension within the ball to adjust the coefficient of restitution, in layman's terms, to adjust the bounciness of the ball. And Rawlings actually projected that this would cut two feet off of the distance. Uh, balls that ordinarily would maybe go, you know, out of the ballpark. So they, they, they did this study. They adjusted the variables for uh, conditions, weather conditions, exit velocity, and launch angle, and projected it would reduce the, the carry on the baseball by about two feet. What's happened is it's reduced it more like five to seven feet. Of course. And so home runs are, <laughs> home runs are down. Guys are saying, hey, you know, we've had so many balls go to the warning track and just die. And it's just, you can't blame it on the weather because these studies have been adjusted to account for that. So it was intentional. 
Um, and all the parks have humidors now, too, I understand. Yes, for, and I actually think that from what I've looked at, that it might even be a bigger factor because the teams that started using the humidors this year have seen a larger decline correct. in home runs. The teams that have been using it, it's down just very slightly. It's almost an inconsequential amount. It's mainly being driven by those clubs that, you know, that started – Storing the baseballs like that this year for the first time. So, um, did, was, in that coefficiency uh, statement, do they have anything about the weather and that impact? Hmm. Well, what the, the study they did, they they looked at baseballs that had a exit velocity between 102 and 105, and a launch angle between 27 and 29. They compared 2019 to 2022 in the month of April. And they used two indoor venues, Milwaukee and St. Pete, Tropicana Field, to, to, so that you're not outside, uh, you know, like in Minneapolis this year. Right. The weather has been cold even by their standards. So they tried to, you know, develop a scientifically valid study by controlling for some of these variables. And they looked at, you know, a certain number of balls that were home runs in 2019, a certain number uh, that had the same physical statistics this year and there was about a 50 percent reduction in home runs in a very small sample size so you're, you're seeing some data there but the players are, are are seeing it you know they're they're saying hey you know something's you know something's going on and yeah so home runs are down oh no i uh, although, although you're still quite a few home runs i mean if you're comparing to what it was years and years and years ago it's still a pretty high number but compared to back you know when we started doing our shows in 2019 guys with what the year of the homer and the twins were leading the league in homers. I mean, it did yep. come down from that for sure. But again, uh, that might be to try to put more balls in play. Let's reduce the home runs. Um, you know, you know, other things we've talked about off and on about trying to get away from just baseball being either you walk, strike out or hit a home run. Yeah. You know, so they, they kind of ties into that perhaps and uh, in, in, in the overall global thinking but i think i think there may be more adjustments coming uh, you know uh, based on what i'm reading maybe we need to, maybe they need to go back and tweak it again a little bit more yes so now we have the the we have the uh the accountants we have the uh, the scientists <laughs> i'll tell you what i mean if i was if i was 30 years younger 40 years younger <laughs> maybe could reconsider a degree so i could get me a job with a major league baseball team <laughs> i know that'd be great <laughs> you, you, you think about all the opportunities that are there now that you know wait we're talking probably hundreds of jobs maybe yes yeah all, everybody's got to do it yeah and yeah. just you know it uh, statistics. Oh my I mean, Lord. come on. If I, if like you said, let's go back 30 years or 40 in my case, um, I would have hey, been the same age, Jay. We're the same. I know, I know. I would have been a statistics major and I would be trying to get a job in this with a sports team. I guarantee you, you would have had it. I don't doubt it. Yeah. Yep. yep. Yeah. No, no question about it. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but you know, I can also see it too because what I've been watching, you know, games and you see a guy hit a ball and you immediately think it's gone, yep. and, and you're shocked when he's not even at the warning track and the ball's being caught. Right, so. right. All right, so uh, we 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 teased it earlier. You guys ready for TV themes? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. All right, let's uh, let's do uh, Joe's first. Here it is. I was working hard at a New York job, making dough, but it made me blue. One day I was 
crying a lot, and so I decided to move to West Covina, California. Brand new pals and a new career. It happens to be where Josh lives, but that's not why I'm here. She's the crazy ex-girlfriend. What? No, I'm not. She's the crazy ex-girlfriend. That's a sexist term. She's the crazy ex-girlfriend. Can you guys stop singing for just a second? She's so situation's a lot more nuanced than that. C-R-A-Z-Y. Okay, we get it. Craziest All right, Joe, and your selection for those who don't know what that theme song is. That's the theme uh, from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend Season 1. And I sent an email out to you guys this week in which I said that uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is the greatest show in television history that no one has ever heard about. I hadn't. Uh, not, yeah. I'm not saying it's the greatest show, period, but for, most, for those that really nobody knows about, it's pretty darn good. So it ran on the CW from uh, 2015 to 2019. It was a full hour show. I initially pitched as a romantic comedy, a little bit of satire, and also some musical elements thrown in as huh. well. And it was, get this, you talk about a talented individual it was created by directed by written by and by rachel bloom and she was also the lead character in the show as well wow and she wrote most of the songs wow (laughs) she's very talented (laughs) oh my goodness yeah so basically the um we just kind of stumbled on it but you know a few years ago and it tell you what most sitcoms on television, in my opinion, aren't worth the time of day. I, I agree. There is no way I'm even going to look at this thing. But I actually heard Rachel Bloom on uh, an NPR show, uh, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR quiz show. Great uh, show. She was a guest on there, and that was a great plug for NPR. But uh, And it sounded kind of interesting, so we checked it out. And, yeah, it was funny. It was It was very smartly written. Seem to have a really good cast. The I'm not a musical kind of guy, but these songs were kind of funny and they kind of fit with the narrative the show was spinning. So it's like, yeah, that's you know that that kind of works. And um, I thought, well, you know, we, we started tuning in. But you, most comedies, you know, you you see the premise and that's they don't go very much beyond that. It's like every yes. week there's this weird, you know, she just what did she? It's like I love Lucy. What did Lucy do this week? It was kind of crazy and blah blah blah. Yes. And it was sort of like that at first, but then toward the end of season one, you began, it began to take on uh, some a little bit more serious tones at time. I mean, it was still a comedy. It was still zany. There was still some slapstick. But the, her character in the show um, was called uh, uh, Rebecca Bunch, same initials, RB. And she, she's this really intelligent lawyer who gives up a big job in New York City to pursue a high school crush who she bumped into and follows him to West Covina, California. So, you know, so <laughs> she's her personal life's a mess. Uh, but it, it starts getting kind of serious toward the end of season one and into season two. It's showing her becoming depressed and anxious. And is I wouldn't say it's dark, but it's kind of serious mixed in with the comedy and very few shows have been able to pull that off. Yeah. It's hard to do. Yeah. And this, this became very prominent in the show. And at some point in season two, my wife and I were watching it one night and I said, you know, I'm looking at this character and what they're showing her and physically made her physical appearance look like it was becoming somewhat disheveled as well. And I said, whoever's writing this knows what they're doing. 
because she looks like someone and they're portraying her as someone who who would in clinical terms have uh, borderline personality disorder. Of course, I used to be, you know, in mental health stuff. So I knew a little bit about that. And I said, that's really interesting. It's almost like they're making her out to be a borderline case. Early season three, that's exactly what, that was exactly the narrative for that season. Wow. Borderline personality disorder. And it goes through a lot of the fallout from that and she goes into therapy. And, you know, it's still a comedy. The other characters have their subplots going on as well. And the music is great. And it's like, wow, this, this show is really different than anything I've ever seen before. And it, this continues to play out through the end of the very last episode where she eventually dumps all three of her boyfriends and says, my life isn't defined by which man I'm with. So it kind of, it kind of ends up on a, a, a bit of an optimistic note, but you're left to ponder how well she's really going to do. Mm-hmm. Kind of a Sopranos ending. If you ever saw the Sopranos, it was kind of an obtuse, ambiguous ending. So it was, it was true to its um, standards, I think, up to the very, very end. But it, it, it got kudos for its treatment of mental health uh, in a very realistic way. And I would have been the last place I would have expected to see that is in a, you know, a little sitcom on traditional uh, television. The other characters were very interesting. They, they delved into issues of gay parenting and um, female sexuality in ways that I had never seen before. And so it was very well received. But when I said not many people knew about it, I mean, it was on four seasons. In three of those seasons, it was literally dead last among all regularly scheduled network programs. Wow. One year it was not dead last. It was next to last. I mean, it never got the audience. So that was the year Super Train was last, right? (laughs) Well, yes, it was. It was. That's exactly right. <laughs> well, I was wondering how they got how they got a show on the CW that wasn't DC Comics. I know, <laughs> but but yeah, yeah. But which one was the vampire, Joe? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> there must have been one in there, but but it's a, it was. But anyway, Crazy Ex Girlfriend, um, much to my surprise, turned out to be I think a brilliantly produced show, and it's one of those that I really began to appreciate, you know, more and more and more with each passing with each well, passing season. So we've so talked you, about, I'm sorry, Jeff, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, Jay. All right. I was going to say in the past, we've talked about sitcoms and how they're awful. Um, and if someone says to me, have you seen the new sitcom? I go, no. Um, and it's me because too. they're written to the least common denominator. Amen. I love Lucy. And th- th- there is not intelligent. And I'm not saying it's stupid. I'm just saying, there's not a next level writing going on for character development because it's a sitcom. Right. And frankly, the last time, and I know there was a lot of stupid stuff in it. How I Met Your Mother was a very, very well-written sitcom because it was clever in the character development. And you know, when they wrote the parts for the kids nine years ahead of time and they recorded them, and the show lasted all nine years, and they had everything ready at the end. There is some brain power going on in how they put the show together. That well, does not exist in Sydney. Yes. Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, they had four years sketched out. It Going in, they wanted it to yep. run four years, as they had this thing planned out. That's the way to do it. Through. And you're absolutely right. It's the writing that, yes. to me, is the key. 
Absolutely. Probably my favorite sitcom of all time was probably Frasier with Kelsey Grammer. And to Brilliant me, that was writing. an intelligently written series. Yes. And that was the key. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think the only sitcom I, I well, there's, I watched the Goldbergs only because I love the 80s stuff. And yep. then, and then uh, Young Sheldon, which plays off a of Big Bang, which was Very intelligent. Smart. Yes. Right. yes. Um, that's really kind of the only two that I watch. Uh, which I find very fascinating. Uh, yeah, you're right. Cause most promos I see for the, you know, on network TV, it's like, well, if, if the promo isn't funny, how am I going <laughs> to, exactly, exactly. where are we going? <laughs> um, so would you say create, so you and your wife watch a lot of TV together. I take it, right? Uh, quite a bit. Yeah. See, my wife and I very rarely watch TV together. When I'm uh, we're watching, it's usually the two of us. That's true. Yeah. yeah. So would you say Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is a, good, is a good couples show to watch? I think it would be. Yeah. Okay. Not, not to say you will like it, but uh, I, I think the show is so, to, for us was so different and, and it was smartly written and had elements that I had not seen in many other shows. Certainly not all coming together the way this one did. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'd be worth it'd be worth a look and to see it did when uh, Rachel Bloom did and did win an Emmy Award, a People's Choice Award and a Critics Choice Award, I think. Well, she's um, very talented. Yeah, she really is. Yeah, amazing. That, that's amazing. Yeah. And you think, yeah, they she they did not pull off a Seinfeldian uh, rocket from near the bottom of the ratings. Uh, yes, uh, very- yeah. Oh, and something else I actually learned today is she herself, in fact, has suffered from depression and anxiety. And sure. Some very That's how she played it. She had lived it. Yeah. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes uh, mixing the reality with the uh, with 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 that thing really does uh, does yeah. click. It makes sense now. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Jay. It's uh, time for yours, and we're going to hear that right now. One, two, one, two, three, and. classic yeah um you know whenever we do these get-togethers uh, maybe my i'm sorry guys my highlight is trying to find a tv theme song <laughs> and i i go through my directory of top primetime network tv shows 1946 to present how thick and, is that book good uh, gravy telling you. <laughs> and it ended this book ended in the 80s there are 1100 pages wow wow and <laughs> right not only is it do, do each show alphabetically lists all the characters list all the time slots do a synopsis in the back they show you all the prime time schedules on all the networks for each year and then every award all the shows have won 
And I'm sure I could find all of this online very easily, but tough crap. So anyhow, <laughs> Chico and the Man. Uh, it was, I don't know, 1974. Uh, I think the Partridge family had been ended or maybe the Brady Bunch or something. Looking for something on a Friday night. And they were smart and they plugged it right after Sanford and Son. And I loved Sanford and Son. That was a great show. And, yep. and we discovered Chico and the Man. Nobody knew who Freddie Prinze was, but he was spectacular. He was so talented and funny and charismatic and everything you would want in a TV show and in an actor. And of course, they had to find someone exactly the opposite of him to play the other role. And that was Jack Albertson. Oh, my God, is he good. And the story is, you know, it was in East L.A., and it was a mechanic, and that was Jack Albertson. And Freddie was one of the guys he hired to come in and help him. And the plan was for Freddie to eventually become a partner in the business and take over the business. And then hilarity would ensue every week, like most sitcoms. Um, also, uh, Della Reese was in the show. And the last season after we lost Freddie Prinze, he committed suicide. They, had one, they were going to cancel the show, but they added one more season, and they brought in a little kid. Um, who uh, Jack Albertson referred to as Chico, even though that wasn't his name. And little Chico had an aunt, and it was Aunt Charo. And it was Charo. <laughs> so since there was no Freddie Prinze in the last season, we had some hoochie coochie is what we did instead. Are we going to get your impersonation of Charo? Can you do I that? I don't think so. No, okay. <laughs> you'll, you'll need to YouTube some Johnny Carson for that. <laughs> do that. But here's the thing. For, you know, mid 70s, I mean, granted, Sanford and Son, you know, all, you know, Norman Lear, all that stuff going on. This was not just a sitcom. It was about socioeconomic things. It was about racial things. It was about pulling yourself by, by the bootstraps. It was about hard work will help you to, to succeed. It was about compassion. And that is pretty deep stuff. And I'm thanking God that the 70s got into that, even in sitcoms. Yeah. Okay. You know, we all loved, you know, Mary Tyler Moore and Bob Newhart and that stuff. But those were just for laughs for the most part. We love the characters. For the most part, that was just for laughs. This covered the gamut right here. And to ha have the main character be an Hispanic leading man who no one ever heard of with that much charisma and that much talent was a big deal in 1974. And it's just so sad that he, you know, he had his demons and he committed suicide three years later. Go ahead, Joe. I was going to say there's some real commonality between your commentary here with the, with your mm -hmm. show, which is a great show and a great yes. theme. And, you know, crazy ex-girlfriend. There's there's yes. the depth and the seriousness built into the comedy. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just not for laughs. Yeah, exactly. And, and the song, Jose Feliciano, um, man, I get chills when I hear the thing. Yeah. You know, and, and I go back to, you know. Feliz Navidad and uh, the uproar when he sang the national anthem before the 68 World Series in Detroit. Uh, you know, why doesn't he sing it the right way? Well, we all know that was just being racist is what it was. But that guy could play and sing and man, but, you know, and then when you know what the show's about and then the sad ending to it, the song is just so fitting and it gives me chills every time I hear it. I'm going to yeah. go out and watch an episode. You're making yes. me want to go back and see it. Yeah, no, as, soon as, you, as soon as you hear a one, a one, a one, two, three, four. Yes. Uh, oh, yeah. I forgot. Scatman Crothers was on the show, too. Yeah. Was 
Yeah, he was always awesome. And of course, I always uh, I always remember uh, uh, Freddie Prince going, looking good. But yeah, <laughs> that's where that came from. Yes. That's where yeah. that came from. I still say that every once in a while. Yes. Exactly. That's exactly where it came from. Yes. And I guess and I, I guess he also used uh, early on. That's not my job. Yep. That's not and, my job, man. Yeah. <laughs> so that was uh, that was and that was later stolen on Miami Vice. Izzy would uh, use yeah. that line all the time. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. And yeah, that, that was a that, that was a tremendous. I haven't God, I haven't seen that show in forever. Uh, it's, I'm sure it's not in syndication, but uh, NBC show. It's probably on Hulu somewhere if not prime, but it just ahead of its time and still yet a sitcom for the seventies, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No question. So, you know, so your, your, your book, you know, I mean, you could use that as self-defense if somebody broke into your home. <laughs> I'm thinking it'll stop any knife and most bullets. <laughs> that thing is huge. No, I was like thinking, I was thinking they, like a, somebody breaks in and they're getting ready to do something. They look at that book and say, hey, let me sit down and look at this. And I, <laughs> it disarms them. <laughs> well, that wasn't really funny, but yeah. it's multi-purpose. Yeah, that was good. That was good. That's though. right. I mean, it disarms them for eleven hundred twenty-one pages. <laughs> <laughs> that's outstanding stuff so yeah and, and so of course you know i, I do a tv theme at the end of every show and what i like about having you guys on is i don't have to do any of the work so <laughs> but we have fun doing it though. that's the thing this is as much as we love baseball there are times when i, I get more into doing the research on the shows yeah. agreed yeah Absolutely. yeah no if i i end up doing the same thing and and then i usually end up going down a rabbit hole on, on yeah, wikipedia and youtube so it's it's all good stuff well guys as always always a blast thanks for being on look forward to the next time thank you thank you jeff Yeah, I had to run it back again one more time to close out the show, too. And yeah, we'll have to do some TV sports themes uh, again uh, with Jay and Joe at some point as well. And of course, this classic from NBC Sports Saturday Afternoon Major League Baseball. I'll let that run out a little bit as we are done here. <laughs> 